Welcome to St. Joseph Workshop, building the church at home, a place where faith and family meet. Insight from a priest, a mother, and a whole bunch of others. I'm Emily Lugo. And I'm Father Jason Cargo. Join us as we enter St. Joseph's Workshop. Welcome to another episode of St. Joseph's Workshop. Today, we are especially excited for our podcast. Um, we're joined with Eric Schreiber and Ogis. Emily's away on vacation, and so you just have the guys today. And we're going to be talking about offering it up. And that's something that we've heard all the time uh, in our own lives about how we our sacrifices, our, our difficulties, or problems, we can unite with Christ on the cross for the good of someone else in our life. So that's what we're kind of referring to as offered up. And so um, before we get into that topic, I just want to welcome you, Eric, and uh, welcome you to uh, this podcast and and welcome Ogis. And so, Erica, the, the question that I have for you, I, I always start off with some kind of crazy question, right? So, All right. And uh, the question I have for you is uh, a very, very simple. Like, if you could live in any state, where would you live? Oh, I feel like that should be an easier question. <laughs> to I, I'm like, come I on, I could answer yeah. for you. You could. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's Colorado, it's right? Colorado. I mean, it's got to be Colorado. From Colorado. So I do love Colorado. I love the mountains, the scenery, the hiking. Yeah. The actual winters. I mean, that would be nice. Yeah. So for Wait. some of you guys who are listening, so I've known Eric and his wife, Lindsay, for, I don't know, three years now, right? Yeah, three about years. three years. And Eric is a uh, is a theology teacher at Bishop Lynch High School. And so, uh, but he, he was uh, in Colorado for a number of years. Oh, yeah. What's and the best thing about Colorado? Um, there's actually a trail that I go on called uh, Echo Lake, actually up in Mount, in Mount Evans. And it is the most gorgeous hike that you could go on, in my opinion. But how tall is it? Is it? Are you like sucking air the whole time? Yes, it's about twelve thousand uh, miles. Or sorry, twelve thousand feet. Twelve thousand no, no, miles. You said, you said <laughs> miles. Sorry, twelve thousand <laughs> feet above. I'm like man. above sea level. So you're definitely going to need some oxygen after. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. What about you, Ojis? What's your favorite state? If you could live uh, anywhere, where would it be? Well, when you said state, I would choose plasma. Just <laughs> it's different. It's unique. Wait, right? solid, liquid, gas, and now plasma and is now the other plasma. one. Okay, um, it's one we know least about. So I'll discover. Is that something. is that real? Like, is it a real scientific discovery? Like plasma? That's like what it, they say. It's a fourth state. I'm not a scientist, but it sounds like a lightsaber. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with <laughs> it. It's, it's not like the uh, it's not like the YouTube video I was watching yesterday about the the scientific uh, nature of the multiverse. Oh no! No, no it made that. you think no. about that. I was like, "Wait a sec. <laughs> I mean, so, string theory, but that's I just strings. Yeah, I don't so, get it. So anyway, yeah, th this I was crazy. This idea thought was that okay, we only have the observable universe, and then then there's a part of the universe that goes beyond beyond our our capability to observe, and then uh, because the universe is infinitely expanding outward, therefore any kind of probability or it is actually something that would happen right so even the oh. least probability is going to happen and therefore there is multiverses with multi ogises <laughs> walking around have you seen the movie the one i think it was jet lee 
No, it's, I haven't. So oh. it's that kind of theory that there's multiple people of the same uh, name. So it would be multiple Eric's, multiple Otis's. And they're traveling between all these places and they're eliminating those so they have more power. So it's like a Highlander okay. MCU kind of weird feel, but that's I'm all I think about now. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about Spider-Man, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> I was gonna say Spider-Man, the multiverse, the multiverse or whatever. Yeah. So no, we could talk about that for a while. Um, it, it'd be, I did tell Ogis, I said, I got him over here cause I said, we'd talk about the MCU. So yeah, we're talking about Deadpool, but <laughs> he lied to me. <laughs> we tricked him. You're just going to have to offer it up. That's all. Just offer it up. <laughs> <sighs> so, um, so Erica, you just uh, you just did a, a, a thesis or a, a small thesis on this very topic, right? Yes. Um, what what did you write about, or why did you write? the The topic was looking at redemptive suffering, and that's something that's always kind of fascinated me, mostly because wait, wait, I, wait, what's what what's redemptive suffering? Uh, redemptive suffering, so participation in the redemptive act of Christ, more doing so more willingly and voluntarily versus it was thrusted upon us and we have to do this. So it's more of this willingness to participate in Christ's life and suffering uh, in both of those facets so that we can mm. enjoy the resurrection. Okay, gotcha. So that's that's the, your, your th the thesis that you wrote on. Yeah, and a big part of the reason I became interested in it was growing up my oldest brother, uh, Stefan would frequently tell me to offer it up. And was that after he was like uh, pinning you down to the ground and like uh, knocking your head with his fist or something? Uh, more so when he stole the remote from me and, <laughs> you know, took the video games away from me. It's like, oh, just oh. offer it up was another way of him saying, calm down. Uh, yeah. And so it kind of frustrated me. And then I said, you know, it's actually a fascinating topic that I don't know much about. So, yes. But, uh, yeah, so I was just interested in that and finished that up uh, about a year ago, actually, now. Okay. So besides those early on experiences of, of offering your um, your brother's uh, <laughs> antics up to the Lord <laughs> um, or your or your pain after losing your remote um, uh, control of the TV or yes. the whatever, um, in your own uh, adult life now— um, or in your married life, have you had opportunities to offer it up? Oh, very much so. Very much so. Uh, you know, as Father Jason said, I am a high school theology teacher. So between... Well, you don't have to say anything more. Yeah. There's plenty of offering it up there. It's like, oh, just has to take care of the middle school. You know, forget about that. I mean, I, get, I just read an article that said, hey, if you work with middle school, you're going to heaven. So yeah. it made me feel better. <laughs> I mean, you're purgatory. Exactly. I mean, it's sanctity right there, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, you're you're choosing to, to uh, sacrifice, to lay down your life for the good of the other constantly. Yeah. Or just for the good of their academic well-being. Yes get them out of your hair for the next, next year. So anyway, you're, you're yeah. saying that, you know, in high school as a theology teacher, you have opportunities to offer it up. Well, yeah, that and in marriage in high school, uh, you really do have to look at the students and be very attentive to what they need, even if it's not necessarily how you wish to do it. And then, uh, one thing I've learned in my year and a half of marriage is, you know, the guy's always wrong. The wife's always right, and uh, and so I'm learning that very, very frequently. I would say with her, uh, no, she just has a beautiful way of 
humbling my decisions and holding me accountable. And that's really where I started to learn more about Offer It Up in a more practical sense was it was that accountability in my relationship with Lindsay, not just me doing something or her doing something, but that accountability that uh, I'm not doing it because she asked me to. I did. I'm doing it because I love her. You know, Eric, um, in the Holy Family, if anything went wrong, it was always Joseph's fault. I, I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. So just lean on Joseph. That's all. <laughs> Talk about offering it up, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, he is the king of offering it up. So, I mean, uh, he, I think you, we can definitely go to St. Joseph and ask him to, to pray and intercede for us to help us in, in offering things up. Can you, what about you, Ojas? What any, any thoughts or memories of you specifically needing to offer something up? I mean, kind of similar with, with Eric. It was always a phrase that was said. Uh, it's usually my mom telling us, and, and she had the best of intentions, but she never really uh, explained it when we were that young about the redemptive nature of our suffering, how we were supposed to unite that uh, with Christ and his cross. Um, but we did have a priest uh, talk about this when I was growing up, and one of his homilies. Yes, it was, go priest. <laughs> it, was, it was beautiful. Um, he asked all of the spouses to wake up in the morning and look at their spouse and say, good morning, cross. Um because that's your cross you carry and, and everything was the joke that he was trying to do. But it goes into what you were saying, holding something to be better and um, looking out for the best of the person isn't always the easiest thing to do. And it can be frustrating and it can be hard. Um, so it was a nice, funny reminder to say, hey, this person, no matter how much they frustrate you, it's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing in this relationship to make you a better person. So the priest was advocating for the men to say that out loud to their wives? I, I think it was more for the women to, <laughs> to say it to the men. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not, I don't think he understood but, what good uh, married life would be. <laughs> I, probably not. But uh, yeah, more probably for the women to say that to their husbands. Okay. Uh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. That's, um, that's, that is so true. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is we are, um, we are crosses to each other that we can offer uh, to each other. So a lot of times that, that cross is uh, something that we want to hold and, and want to, to carry. We gladly carry. Like I um, remember talking to a, a family where uh, the, the husband cared deeply for his wife when his wife was uh, ill for a number of months, even years. And, and he, the attentiveness he, he did, and you know now she's perfectly fine, and and just the the beauty and the lo- sense of love that they have as a married couple it comes from because he took the cross right, and sometimes I'm sure he really did not want to, and sometimes out of great love and compassion, and he desired that right, um, but that uh, you know that's that's the reality. Love is the cross, right? Absolutely. So that's that's the deal. Um, you know, you have those images of a, a heart right in the middle of the cross. I mean, you can't you can't take love out of, of the cross. Absolutely. And you can't take the cross out of the love. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Saint uh, Jose Maria Escriva said, at, "Granite, my wife sent me this, so it means something a lot more." Uh, you know, he he said, "Don't say that person gets on my nerves." Uh, think that person sanctifies me. So mm. uh, it's not necessarily changing our actions, but changing the way we turn our heart uh, towards those actions, towards those behaviors. And so, yes. uh, you know, those quotes, and then you share that with people. And like, especially again, as a teacher, 
that student's really getting on my nerves or it's no, that that student's helping me become more patient, helping me become more loving, more compassionate. Yes, yes. And that's not an easy thing to make that that switch to to say sanctifying instead of getting on my nerves. I think that's a a really hard thing when we talk about offering it up or or any of that cuz our experiences most people don't understand what that really is. So when we start saying sanctify, we start saying redemptive suffering, we start saying it's terms again that we don't always hear. Yes. Right. And we just kind of default back to what others have done, what we've seen, uh, especially when we we're growing up. Um, and it's a hard habit to to switch and to teach to these younger generations to help them understand the beauty that comes with all of this. Absolutely. Indeed. Well, uh, what what more about, uh, can you kind of lead us in this discussion, Eric, about offering it up? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the the first thing, you know, we talk about the redemptive side of it. We talk about the uh, the loving part of it. It is an act of love. We also have to look at it from the daily perspective, that it's a daily invitation. It's not just a one-time thing. Uh, and so, you know, I, I look at, for example, the Gospel of Mark, um, when they talk about discipleship being inseparable from suffering. And so discipleship, you know, being disciples of Christ, following Christ, you know, picking up our crosses daily. Wait, 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 wait. Eric, so I thought, like, if I gave my life to Jesus, everything would be roses. <laughs> no, no, guess unfortunately. What? Every rose has a thorn. It does. It's <laughs> a great song. Yes. That is a great song. I pulled music into this one. Okay. <laughs> That's a great one. Does Emily not let you? Oh, I, I, I try to get her to sing all the time. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> Maybe at the end of this, we could pull up some karaoke lyrics and... Every rose there's, has there's a There's a few songs that I will sing for karaoke. That's sadly not one of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it is. It's it's a daily task. And I think sometimes we forget about that, to be honest. Uh, every day we, we kind of have to remind ourselves. We have to go through our uh, routines almost. And I, I can only imagine how challenging it is for parents with young children, how your routine is actually making sure your kids are sticking to their routine. Uh, but there has to be that daily reminder and going back to what OJ said about, you know, the priest said you wake up and you look at your spouse and, and you say, good morning cross. There's that reminder that every day uh, is an invitation uh, in which we have to have a willingness to follow Christ. And, and St. Mark uh, St. Mark's Gospel and St. Luke's Gospel all say that, you know, if he wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So it's not just a, a one-and-done thing. It's something that we continuously do because every day is going to have different little crosses throughout the day. You know, I think every single one of us wakes up, and what St. Jose Maria Escrivá says is the holy moment. It's the the moment your alarm clock goes up, goes off and you get out of bed. And you, you say, Jesus, I live for you, right? Or do you push the right. snooze button? I, yeah. I push the snooze button. <laughs> and then I'll say it when I actually wake up. But, you know, right. it's... You know, it, it actually, I think there should be a better way. Like, if you push the snooze button once, the alarm goes back off again. If, if you, you push it a second time, and it should say uh, something like, um, get up. Yeah. <laughs> or 
you will be something. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but in, no, I mean, I remember hearing someone say that the snooze button is made from the devil, right? And that's not yeah. true. But uh, <laughs> I mean, but the holy moment is where you say, you know what? I choose right now to, to get up. I'm, I'm choosing to deny what my body really wants right now is to, to get up and, and to wake up. We all push the snooze button at cer- certain times, but you know, that holy moment, um, and actually Matthew Kelly talks about that in one of his books as well. He says yeah. that, um, you know, that, that that's your moment where you can begin living proactively for, for good and for the mission instead of uh, being held back by what your, your body wants or what your, your desires wants, you know. Absolutely. And it does. It sets the tone for the rest of the day. Uh, how many times are you going to push snooze on those little crosses throughout the day before you finally say, okay, fine, God, I get you're trying to remind me yes. to be more attentive to this situation. So I, I think that's a great image as well, the snooze on the alarm clock. Um, we also look at how it's also that invitation to uh, to begin the day in prayer mm-hmm. because like you said, Father, we don't necessarily want to wake up. We want to, our, you know, give our give in to that, you know, body, uh, the temptation of sleep and staying asleep and and not really getting up with our day. So it's not just about the oh, get up and uh, here here's my cross for the day. It's also get up and and be productive for the day. Do something with the day uh, that will glorify God. And everyone can start the day with prayer. Yes. I mean, even just the shortest little prayer. I think I think that's very important. You wake up and you say, Jesus, I live for you today. Um, you know, everyone pretty much, first thing you have to do is go to the bathroom. Well, that's an automatic Our Father or Hail Mary, right? Where you right. just say, all right, I yeah. give my life to you. And so uh, we all have the, the way to be able to, to start our day in prayer. Absolutely. And there's uh, there's several different morning offering type prayers. So you could do the more formal type of prayers. You could do uh, a little bit of mix of formal and informal, or you could just do that informal. God, here, you know, I give you my day. And and you know, I like if you have a little bit more time, which I encourage everyone to spend like that five to ten minutes. Uh, if you have a little more time, then you can go through your actual calendar and you can offer up all the different activities you have, right? Right. And a lot of times we have something that we really don't want to deal with and we, we don't want to have that meeting with that person or we don't want to write that 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 article or, or whatever it might be and we, we offer that up at that time. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite prayers, and Father, if you don't mind, I sure. want to read it real quick. Uh, one of my favorite prayers that I try to say as frequently as possible, I say it before every Mass, but... There's other times to say it, and it says, Oh, Jesus, in union with your most precious blood poured out on the cross and offered in every Mass, I offer you today my prayers, works, joys, sorrows, and sufferings for the praise of your holy name and all the desires of your sacred heart. In reparation for sin, for the conversion of sinners, the union of all Christians, and our final union with you in heaven. It beautifully exemplifies mm. the the entire act of offering it up. It's not just for me, myself, and I. It's for all of us. It's us as uh, human beings. And I offer you everything, whether I'm having a joy-filled day, because you can offer that up too. Mm-hmm. I know we oftentimes think of offering it up only in situations when we're suffering or yes. getting bullied by an older brother. Uh, <laughs> but we can offer up our joys and our sorrows. Uh, we can offer up those activities that you know, really 
release those endorphins like running, you know, going jogging in the morning. We can offer our run up in the morning um, or we can offer that sickness. You know, I woke up with the stomach bug or I woke up with a, a migraine. So the invitation is not merely in, in one area of our life. It's for every aspect of our life. To you know, offer up. I mean, you, you made a great point. Uh, so there's a, someone I know who, who does a lot of good in, in the diocese of Dallas and, and, uh, he, he's sick with cancer. And the other day he wrote me and said, uh, father Jason, I want to let you know that today I'm offering my sufferings up for you. I'm like, this sinner needs repentance. So, please. <laughs> 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 you know, but how powerful, like he, yeah. he is, I can't imagine the, the sickness he feels and the pain he feels. And he, and he, and he says, I'm, I want you to know this day I'm offering my suffering for you. And, you know, recently, uh, there was a lot of people that are, are suffering in South Texas, right? Oh yeah. And that takes this to a whole nother level. I can't imagine the pain of, of losing a, a child horrifically, right? right? From, from a shooting or something. I mean, I, I just can't even imagine but that kind of deep sorrow and suffering will be, the person will be eaten alive unless they offer it to Jesus, right? Right. Yeah. And, and it's, it is that action. Sometimes it's a f- physical action. Sometimes it's a spiritual action. But to really allow and invite God into it, into the midst of that suffering, uh, especially in those types of situations where tragic loss has happened and we can't explain it, uh, we, you know, we always want to ask God why, uh, and in actuality, it should be, how can I love in this moment, in this darkness? You know, that's a natural thing, Eric, uh, to, to go where people will start saying, why, God, does this happen to me? Why A lot of times, uh, I don't know if you hear this, Ojus, is that uh, teenagers will begin to articulate this. They'll begin to understand that there's suffering and, and evil in the world, and they'll start asking why. I. And um, I think that's a natural. Uh, do you hear that from? Yeah, it, it's definitely something. Every year we try to mention it in some way because um, that is a reality. Is we don't know we by by our nature we want answers. Mm-hmm. We want to understand everything, and things like this we we can't. We we can't say this is why this is happening, but at the same time, being able to trust others is is another element of why it's so hard. We don't know how to trust God and that he is loving us continuously through this. Um, so that's the personal part. But when you see someone else, how do you love them at the same time? How can you be a part of that for them? Um, it's all these questions that they're trying to figure out. And they're still in such a young stage of life. Their suffering is going to be different mm-hmm. as they get older. It's just right. the way it happens. So it what happened in south texas that's something that again nobody wishes on anybody and that's the suffering that those kids those classmates should never have had to deal with that's something you would never think especially at that young age where they can't understand just anything and now they're seeing their families their parents hurting so much how can they help i think is another part of of this redemptive aspect and offering everything up yeah, so I mean, Eric, you you have on this sheet of paper here for the listeners. We we do have a sheet of paper in front of us, uh, just <laughs> <laughs> FYI. But you have uh, something that says uh, that offering it up, this this spirituality or theology, this act of prayer, answers the why of suffering. Yes, 
Uh, can you explain that a little bit? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, there's, when we look at love, when, sorry, when we look at suffering, it's an invitation to love. Um, there's, there's two things that happen when we suffer. We either turn inward towards ourselves and towards the suffering itself, or we turn outwards uh, towards others. And we allow that to perhaps, again, we learn from a mistake, we learn from past uh, experiences, and we use those suffering memories to teach, to inform, to educate others from not making that same mistake. And in this context, it's always going to be rooted around love. The why of suffering is love. Whether it's God's trying to love us through this, or he's inviting us to love others through this suffering, through this uh, pain that we're enduring. St. Teresa of Avila says it uh, perfectly. It is love alone that gives worth to all things. So suffering helps us to see love. Uh, and, and again, whether it's those areas in our lives that we need to be loved more, or whether it's areas in our world that need love. Uh, so we can respond to these situations with love rather than react to them out of, you know, hate or anger or, uh, you know, some sort of uh, frustration even. Because even though there is frustration and that's always going to be there, uh, God is going to use this to invite us mm -hmm. to, to really not just experience his love, but experience his mercy. How do you move past those emotions? I mean, emotions are usually... I mean, it reminds us that we're human, but how do you move past those emotions of more the negative emotions, the frustration, the anger and everything? How do you, is there a ways to change our approach to that? Just being involved in the community, uh, especially when we're talking about the South Texas um, tragedy, it's how can we get more involved? How can we help the families who are suffering? Yeah, it doesn't mean that because I'm helping, I'm no longer frustrated, but it's redirecting the energy uh, of that frustration towards helping others. And so, it, 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 again, it takes an action or an emotion that's there, and it's allowing us to respond with love rather than respond with the emotion itself. Uh, and so this voluntary act of suffering actually becomes a pathway of Christ's mercy into the world. You know, I, I, I was just thinking what you were saying, Eric, and, um, you know, one of the things uh, psychologically that uh, is easy to fall into is to uh, try to run away or repress uh, f feelings, ill feelings, suffering, pain, things that cause us fear, anxiety, etc. right? So, uh, and that can cause all whole host of problems, right. but this this the spirituality of offering it up it it it's actually saying you must embrace it right right you must be comfortable with the feeling of just outright anger and hatred and then in that uncomfortability of that feeling then just offer it to Jesus on the cross that it's it, you're taking it on and you're saying Jesus you experienced this um, uh, anger when you're in the temple and you saw it being as a marketplace, I now offer this, what I feel right now. And what I, I, I experience, I give this now to you. Um, and I know that through your cross that, uh, this other person may be redeemed. Right. Right. Um, or the same thing could be the deep sorrow and sadness of the loss. Right. Um, 
but I think it, what it does, it's saying I'm willing to, uh, I'm willing to enter into that, uh, the depth of the, those emotions and those thoughts, and and then from that, I'm giving it to Jesus, right? Right, absolutely. And you know, I I love this image. I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you have seen the Passion of Christ mm-hmm. movie, yeah, beautiful movie. And the thing that always strikes me is when Jesus hugs his cross. Yeah. It just, it, it's beautiful. It's confusing uh, because he knows what's about to happen. He, it, he's in the midst of it happening and yet he still hugs it. And so we shouldn't be ashamed of our humanity. You know, so when we do feel those emotions of anger or hatred, even we shouldn't try to suppress them, uh, but we should respond to them. As they come up, I'm frustrated. How do I respond to that frustration? I'm I feel almost you know hateful or or vindictive towards someone. How do I change that? You know I don't want to just hold on to it and bury it and act like it doesn't exist. And so, uh, offering it up brings us back to this idea of we embrace who God created us to be. We embrace that, and then we respond to those things in love. And sometimes that involves the sacrifice. So that's when we kind of take offering it up, and now we turn it into this action of, of sacrifice, okay? Uh, because I'm easily, you know, frustrated right now, I'm going to step away from things that bring, you know, this frustration or make it worse, or, you know, maybe I'm going to not have this conversation with someone, uh, but it's not about running away. It's about sacrifice. And so, again, we kind of turn turn some of those words that we're used to, and mm-hmm. we, we redirect our heart in the midst of it. So we don't run away from our anger, uh, but we acknowledge our anger. We, in some sense, we embrace our anger uh, so that we can lead it towards love and mercy. Now, Erica, you know, one of the things that this prayer, that one of your favorite prayers you, you mentioned earlier, it says that, um, so I'm offering today all my prayers, work, sorrows, joys, and sufferings for the praise of your holy name and all the desires of your sacred heart in reparation for sin and for the conversion of sinners. That, that Those two things, in reparation for sin and the conversion of sinners, um, you know, I we're not, when we offer something up, we're not doing it just for its own sake, right? Right. Uh, and so what does, what does that mean? What's the, what's our theology behind that? Uh, well, the first thing is, is we are all members of the body of Christ, the one body of Christ. And so every action I have, every, uh, thing I do is not in and of itself isolated. It affects someone somewhere at some point, uh, you know, my behaviors as a husband are going to affect my wife. And because that is who I am, I am a husband, then there's a correlating relationship that's going to be affected. I am a child. There's a correlating behavior that's going to be affected or relationship that, you know, is affected. Uh, And so everything I do affects others. We are social beings. God created us to be social beings uh, and in communion with one another and with him. So, I can't just offer something up for me, myself, and I because me, myself, and I was not the only thing redeemed on the cross. Mm-hmm. And since all of humanity is redeemed on the cross, then every 
every act of love, every sin uh, as well is going to have a social effect. Yeah, it's it's really uh, a beautiful thing within our faith how we can connect everything to other people. Um, and in, in this prayer, I mean, we focus just on these two, which I think are super important things that we don't always talk about, uh, conversion of sinners and the reparation of for sin. But this prayer, you can easily pick out one line and, and spend hours just praying a part of that. And everything within that, again, leads you to understanding Jesus and his love for us um, and hopefully changing your own disposition to be more of a Christ-like person. Yeah. You know what, one of the things that uh, I think you were just alluding to, and I'll just kind of mention it again, is that, uh, you know, when we're suffering and we offer that suffering united with Christ on the cross, then our suffering participates in that act of, act of uh, life-giving grace that uh, Jesus won for us on the cross, right? So right. it's... Um, and so our participation, therefore, when we offer it for the conversion of of, of sinners or the reparation of sin, uh, that that begins to uh, be mediate. It begins to actually be a conduit, if you will, through which the grace of Christ can flow to a particular person. It's mystical. I get it. It doesn't make. Sometimes we don't get. We use analogies to try to understand it. You know. So like the. You know, maybe our 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 offering and prayer loosens the window through which uh, now the person can hear someone, a saint, or or someone say, "It's okay to open the door to Jesus." You know, um, maybe uh, our prayer and our offering that suffering uh, it, it kind of washes that one little part of the the wall that is keeping the wall together that keeps someone from allowing Jesus and his grace in, right? So right. Uh, that's where our, our, our participation is so important. We hear stories all the time. I think of, uh, I, I think of St. Therese of Lisieux in the story of the soul. She talks about how there was uh, so a criminal and in the newspaper, and she decided that she would uh, offer her sufferings for this uh, criminal and for the conversion of, of his soul. And uh, we can think of, um, you know, the same thing happens when the saints are interceding on our behalf, right? Uh, the, the saints are human people who are in heaven. And so think of Maria Gretti when she uh, reached out to uh, her attacker after her death, and 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 he ended up uh, converting and becoming a, a very holy man, you know, after having sinned so greatly. Um, you know, so, you know, this this idea of uniting our our own suffering and making it into a prayer, uniting and suffering with Jesus on the cross, making it into prayer and turning it towards someone else's good, that's part of our theology. And that's all woven into this whole offering it up, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, those are the three well, big terms that we use. Yeah, fasting is a form of offering it up, right? Yep, absolutely. I'm hungry. I'm offering that up for Jesus, right? Not for its own sake, but... yeah. Or, you know, it, it, sometimes it's painful to take that, that money out. Well, actually, no one takes money out of their wallet nowadays, right? <laughs> um, no, it's all digital. Yeah, it's crypto, sometimes it's painful whatnot. to click the button a couple times on the iPhone for it's Apple tunnel. Pay. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> or it's a reflex. 
but um but there's but there's an because what is money money represents our time and our energy and it represents what we possibly might be able to do etc and so when we we offer that to someone who is in need or a, a thing in need which is what almsgiving is yeah. then we are sacrificing something of ourself we're uh, putting that on the cross absolutely and uh, god never outdoes himself in generosity which is something that i think we tend to forget you know we start to kind of hoard our talents and our yes. things and our possessions and we're afraid to give them away uh, but god will always reward our generosity uh, one image i kind of had as you were talking father was uh, you know someone sitting at the at the bank their their home's about to be uh, taken away from them and repossessed because they missed a payment and uh, you know someone's walking by and says you know what I'll, I'll pay their monthly bill for them. Sweet. Uh, that's a beautiful example of what it means to offer it up, like to take on uh, the burden of someone else for for the glory of God and honestly for their salvation. You're, you're, there is a physical act of saving in that. You're saving them from having their home repossessed. Uh, there's a spiritual act, and you don't necessarily know that person intimately or spiritually on, on that intimate level. Uh, but there's some something that goes beyond us that unites us in those moments. And so an act of charity, uh, fasting, almsgiving, all of those are a way to help alleviate someone else's suffering. Uh, and if that in turn means that you suffer for a little bit, it's like a parent, you know, uh, or a, you know, a mother or father who, gets up at three in the morning to help their child who, who has night terrors. They're sacrificing sleep. They're, they're giving of their time. Uh, they're fasting. I don't know if that actually counts as fasting from sleep. <laughs> I don't know if it's willingly or not. Uh, well, well, I mean, uh, I mean, they're offering that time away. I, I would not adv advocate for people to fast from sleep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, actually the monks of old would do that, but, but they were sleeping like 10 hours a night. Right. So, uh, today, most of Americans are sleep deprived. We shouldn't be yeah. fasting from sleep, but moms, absolutely. I mean, yeah. they're just tired as all get out. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not because it does anything for them. It's because it does something for their child or for someone they love. And so when we start to really look at humanity into that common, you know, like we're all sinners, uh, but you're my brother and sister in Christ. Uh, when I start to change my heart, again, that mentality, uh, I would do this for my brother or I would do this for my sister. I wouldn't necessarily do this for a stranger, but Christ came to unite us to become, you know, adopted children. And by being adopted children, we are brothers and sisters. We share that. And so I'm not in almsgiving. Uh, I'm not simply giving to a stranger. Not if I really change my heart. I'm giving to my brother and sister in need. Mm -hmm. And so it, it kind of adds a little bit more weight to it. It puts a little bit more responsibility on my shoulder to say they're family and I'm going to, I'm going to help them where I can with whatever I can. Uh, but those are some of the most basic ways the church encourages us. And there's two seasons specifically, the church really emphasizes that, right? The Lent and Advent to really spend time in prayer uh, to fast from the things that, you know, whether it's food or 
other things, material things really, uh, and then to give, to give of our time, talents, or money in those regards. So it's something that the church takes two seasons to remind us of, but it's something that we're really invited to do daily. Mm-hmm. So I want, you know, one of the, the things of this podcast is to uh, look at how we can live the spirituality in our homes, right? And I think about, you know, our homes are all sorts of different variety of different situations. You know, we have young families, we have uh, freshly married couples like you and, and Lindsay. Uh, I don't know if three years is still freshly married, but uh, it's it's still freshly married yeah. compared to, you know, 50 or 60 years. So, or, you know, we have uh, people who are a little bit uh, older in their marriage, maybe empty nesters or something like that. So how can we, uh, what are some examples of things that we can do within our homes to inculcate, well, that's a fancy word, to, to make happen <laughs> th- uh, this spirituality, to live out the spirituality? What do you think, Otis? Uh Again, like you said, it's there's different levels, but I think the first place to start we kind of mentioned was in the beginning of your day, um, offering anything that's going to happen in the day to God, and then actually at the end of your day doing an examine or something along those lines where you can also go back and, you know, maybe I missed this time to offer this up. Maybe I missed this opportunity to see somebody or to help somebody in need or, or things like that. It's a great kind of check um, at both ends of the day. Um, you know, it's, it's, I like the physical acts of doing something for people. Uh, one of my love languages or my love language is service. Mm-hmm. And it's not for the, so that people can see me doing it. I feel like I'm doing more if I'm, or I've done something, if I'm actually physically doing something to help someone, mm-hmm. um, doing the dishes. I know it's not your turn. You, you cook dinner, but, and you can alternate, but say I cooked, I'm also going to do the dishes tonight or I'm also going to do this not to show off or anything, but it's, I love you. I, I know you had a busy day and a hard day. I want you to be appreciated and I want to do this as that. Um, so I think it's just small things of going out of your normal schedule for someone else. Yeah. Yes. So any, any ideas, Eric? Uh, I know Lindy's listening to this, so love you, Linz. Uh, <laughs> Good call. <yeah. laughs> the, a little shout out to the fam, you know. Out. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, I, mom. Yeah. Hi, mom. <laughs> I feel like y'all are calling me out the last couple of times. I haven't called out anybody. <laughs> it's it's kind of rude. Uh, you know, I, sometimes I'm going to sound very, I don't want to say generic, just as a teacher, you're like, oh, pray, you know, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. Um, I'm always going to say kind of dialogue. There's something very intimate in dialogue. And it's in the morning, it's in the evenings, uh, dialogue with God and with one another uh, in the home. And I think when we talk about practical ways to offer it up, uh, everything, it, it's hard because everything we say prayer and we immediately want to sit there and look at the formality of it. And that's necessary at times. The, the, there's a reason the church set up the um, the office of reading, or sorry, the office of readings, the morning prayer, midday prayer, evening, night prayer, all that stuff, because we need that structure in our life. Uh, but there's also something to be said about uh, doing the little things, as Ojis was saying, uh, little things around the house as an act of prayer, because uh, that's what prayer ultimately is, is a dialogue between you and God, and when you invite others into that, uh, 
that's the best way to offer it up to say, I'm going to help mom get ready in the morning, uh, or I'm going to help my mom get my little siblings ready mm-hmm. in the morning. Uh, that's a beautiful prayer. Uh, it, the two aren't mutually exclusive. You're praying and you're acting. Um, and so really making that into a, a routine almost, a, a habit of, uh, you know, with Lindsay and I, when she's talking, to be attentive, to make eye contact, to put my phone down, to put whatever I'm doing down, in and of itself is offering it up. Uh, just like when I'm spending time with God, I'm not texting while I'm supposed to be sitting there in silence. Mm-hmm. You know, um, And so the more you kind of do those little things, they become bigger things. It, all of a sudden, it makes it easier for me to say yes to Lindsay when she wants to take dance classes or whatever. Uh, it, it's going to be hard if I haven't really been practicing uh, on on a smaller scale of doing those little things that she likes to do. Oh, I thought you were going to say, oh. like, it's going to be hard if you're not practicing your dance. Well, that, well there's that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he has two left feet, so <laughs> right. it doesn't help. It doesn't. <laughs> and, well, luckily we have a big kitchen, though, so that's good for dancing. Uh, but then I'm it's all about kitchen dancing. You know, <laughs> just turn up the music. And I, actually, I think the spontaneity of, like, kitchen dancing, like, yeah. a lot of married couples, they need that. Oh, yeah. They need to just start to, to start dancing, you know. I don't know what kind of dance you can kind of use your own imagination but i'm just thinking country you lots know. of spinning and twirling maybe a line dance in there yeah <laughs> maybe maybe not the lombada yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah I, you know i think of one of the things i i think of as to uh, most people have experiences of impatience right yes and impatience oftentimes happen because we're living in a future moment we're not uh we're, we're thinking of what we need to do what we should be doing what where i should be or and, and this is, this thing is preventing me from doing that. Okay. So whether it's the car that's driving too slow in front of us, or because we're thinking about how we're already five minutes late to the, to the appointment or to the, the party, or, uh, if it's, you know, the, the child it is going to the bathroom again, right before mass. And now I'm going to have to <laughs> look at father Jason as I come in late. Right. Um, Boy, that's contact. a scary thought, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, know? you see everything up there. I you do. Know. I, I'm like, God, I see all. I, <laughs> I, I want to point out, we didn't call you God. Yeah. Um, so if he's listening, he can smite uh, you and not, not us. I, I didn't say I'm, I was God. I, I oh, said I, I'm, I'm like God. Right. Yeah. So like St. Oh. Bernard Clairvaux says okay. this is that we are made in God's image and that we have the ability to choose. And we are like God when we choose the good. Right. Okay. So I didn't hear the word like, so I, I take <laughs> it back. <laughs> there was actually a basketball player. I remember watching a basketball college basketball one time and the guy's first name was God. And I was like, I was sitting there kind of distracted, maybe half asleep, waking and I hear, and God pulls up, he shoots, he, he scores. I'm like, wait a second, what just happened? I mean, it's, it's a good thing he scored, right but I think I would just call the guy G, right? Hey G, G what's up? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, I digress. I don't know what we were talking about. Uh, practical uh, ways to do this. Yes, yeah, impatience. So impatience is a moment where, um, you know, we're living in a future and the, basically it's an opportunity for us to sit back. Once we start feeling that, we feel it, we recognize, okay, I'm, this is what's happening. I'm now going to reorient myself to the present moment, knowing that Jesus Christ on the cross is with me right now. And now in his power and with his cross, I'm choosing to love this person in this moment 
based on what I'm being asked to do, whether it's discipline, whether it's comfort, whether it's to simply drive safely and slowly, you know? Yeah. Um, And we do the duty of the present moment uh, out of great love. And there we're offering that moment, that impatience up. Absolutely. I I love that because that was actually one of the things that I I prayed with a lot when I was writing my paper and uh, that idea of free will. How does that play into this, the choice, everything? Uh, But in the midst of suffering, and I have that written here on our little cheat sheet, but uh, in the midst of suffering, man's heart and mind are intimately formed and developed to love more. And so it starts somewhere. It starts kind of with a routine. Uh, But at some point, you're not just doing the chores around the house because it's on the chart. You're doing the chores around the house because you love your parents and, and you want a clean house. You, you, you respect them enough to maintain cleanliness in that moment. Uh, but it starts somewhere. It, it has to start somewhere, especially as children uh, in the home, students, uh, young married couple even, when you're changing so much in your life, that act of love is what ultimately has to be the motivation there. Uh, and it has to direct us to a greater love. It, it's not just I'm going to maintain the status quo love that I've been showing you for the last 18 years, you know, but now I'm a college student and I'm going to go away to college. And when I come home on vacation, I'm a guest and I should be treated. At, no, it's this. It should continue to grow. It yes. should really be something that we take with us into our daily life, into our next steps in our life, whatever it is. You know, a great uh, first step of, uh, we talked about the alarm clock is a great first step for people. But another thing is um, anytime there is a weather phenomenon that is disagreeable with you, right? Right. And you can basically, you can say, thank you, Lord, instead of complaining. right? Right. You know, I offer this disagreeable experience to you, Jesus, uh, on the cross, and now I thank you for this opportunity, right? So if it's sweltering hot outside and you're like, I feel like I'm baking in an oven, you know, um, well, offer that up. And, you know, it's much better to feel like you're baking in an oven than baking in hell, right? (laughs) I I feel like Father's calling me out a little bit with the heat. I'm always like, man, I'm so glad I get to sit here in shorts and sandals while he's up on the altar in all the vestments. And <laughs> man, you, I sometimes I have like four or five layers on. You have no uh, idea. Yeah. So, because I'm, so if I'm wearing my cassock, like I don't feel comfortable not wearing pants underneath my cassock, right? right? So most most people, most normal people, <laughs> well, priests, okay, would wear like. Like, like how you qualify normal, well, priests <laughs> would wear like sports <laughs> shorts underneath a cassock, right? And then right. long, uh, long uh, socks or something. But I don't feel comfortable with that. So when I wear a cassock, so I have my uh, my my t-shirt, my my regular uh, clerical shirt, my regular pants, and then I have a cassock on top of that. Then I put the the amist and then the alb and then the the chasuble on top yeah. of that. So um, if you're hot in the pews, right? I'm just saying. Just, I'm offering it up. So. Yeah, you you hide it really well. Just saying, I, we don't ever see the the sweat or anything. Yeah. Well, y- you haven't seen my undershirt. Yeah, I don't want to. 
Okay, we've yeah. we've really digressed. We've started talking about the sweatiness <laughs> of my undershirt. Okay, but, where's Emily when you need her? Right, right <laughs> get a bunch track. of guys on, and we start talking about all sorts of stuff. Okay, so now uh, we've been going on for a while. It's time for us to do some tools. Right. Okay, some specific tools, like one or two things uh, that uh, someone can do to work on uh, living a life of offering it up. And I, I'll start off. And then th if Eric and Ojas, you can kind of think of a couple. Number one, as we just said, work on uh, offering up the snooze button. Yes, the snooze button. Absolutely. Uh, a good one uh, is offering up desserts. Mm. Offering up desserts, people who don't get any food. Yeah. Um, we walk through a lot of doors, um, but picking every time you walk through the door, somebody specific that you're going to say a quick prayer for. Oh. And uh, when it's uh, simmering like Satan's house outside, <laughs> then we can offer that up and say, thank you, and it's better than roasting in hell, right? Absolutely, mm -hmm. we can. Okay, so um, those are a couple of tools. Any other tools? Uh, I mean, I think we 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 kind of mentioned a lot throughout the entire time, but it is making a habit, creating these habits, um, picking one thing, just to start with one or two things, yeah. and going straight there and um, sticking with it. You know, it's thirty days to make a habit or something like that. So yeah. make it a little longer than the thirty days, and if yes. you you mess up start over. Like so you, it's, it's so okay. Number five, I just would say, uh, you know, do it for at least one month, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, choose something and make it happen every day for a month. And uh, if you miss, just pick back up and start over, right? Yeah. yeah and, and including somebody to know like, oh, Eric, I'm going to be doing this for the month. Like, Eric can now check in on me and say, hey, have you been doing it? So, so it's, accountability. it's a that. Yeah. Accountability yeah. is a good thing for sure. One more tool. Yep. Uh, in honor of how this conversation got started with my brother, that sibling that's maybe picking on you, do something nice for them, not to get back at them. Do something genuinely nice for them. So it's not to show them up or anything? Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you could uh, go up to your, your sister and give her a hug and say, I love you? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Ooh, that's that's offering mm. it up for a lot of boys. Yeah, <laughs> are you kidding me? For an older sibling, period. <laughs> oh. And that's going to be tough. So we, we've given these challenges to you guys, uh, Eric and Ojas. Thank you very much. Uh, it's been a, a joy to have you. This has been fun to yes. to kind of chat about something that's very essential in our faith. And I thank all those who have been listening to this episode of Saint Joseph's Workshop. We are all a work in progress, so be sure to tune in next time to gain new tools to help you build the church at home. And I. Pray that God's blessing be upon each of you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.